Thank you for that, brother. I appreciate that. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Tonight we're beginning a new section of this chapter, the Word of God chapter in the Bible that deals so much with the Word of God. And one of the things about this particular psalm, uh, as with many of the psalms, but this, this psalm deals not just with the Word of God itself and, and how God speaks to us through His Word, but really this psalm is a somewhat of a personal testimony of the psalmist and his relation to the Word of God and how vital he finds it to be in his life and how he loves and desires the Word of God. And really it ought to be the heart of every Christian to be able to say these things about God's Word and our need for God. And so... We're in Psalm 119. If you've reached your place there in verse 25, I'll ask you to stand for the reading of the Scripture tonight as we seek to honor the Word of God and uh, set our attention on it. And uh, we'll read verses 25 through 32. Here the psalmist says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove far from me the way of lying. And grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. That's an interesting way of phrasing it, isn't it? I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. You can be seated. As I said a moment ago, this particular psalm deals with not just the Word of God, but the way that the psalmist relates to the Word of God. And in each section we find some different, uh, while there are some things that kind of repeat themselves or may overlap in their concept, we find kind of a different perspective about the Word of God. Last week we talked about uh, how the psalmist here saw himself as a stranger in the earth, but a servant of the Lord. And as a servant of the Lord, who is a stranger in the earth, he found himself in a place of distress and, and difficulty because of the, uh, the, the princes of the, the earth that sat and spoke against him. And, and how the word of God guided him through this journey of being a stranger in the earth. And now... Tonight we look at this section, this fourth section of the chapter, and it starts out with this statement, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. He's speaking of discouragement in his life, to where he is actually feeling as though he is as low as you can get. He is down in the dirt, and not just, uh, just down in the dirt, but his, his soul is cleaving to that dirt. I mean, he is as, as low as you can get. When he says in verse 28, my soul melteth 
for heaviness. By the way, I love the poetic nature of, of the Psalms and, and, and just how uh, descriptive these things can be of how we can feel at different times. You know, at one point David said, by God, I, I have leapt over a wall. I don't think David was saying literally that he leapt over a wall, but what was he saying? That, there, that by God and in his strength, he, he felt that he had uh, been able to do things that he could not have done in his own strength, that he had power and, and might. And sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Boy, uh, we've mounted up on eagle's wings, and we have strength that goes beyond our own abilities and our own understanding. But then sometimes we find ourselves in a place of deep despair, don't we? And discouragement. Now I think it's important to just kind of stop and, and consider this for a moment because as he talks about discouragement, he says that my soul cleaveth unto the dust, my soul melteth for heaviness. I am in a place of great distress, a, grace of, a, a place of great pain. Why is it important? Because sometimes... In our circumstances, and our difficulties, in our trials, we find ourselves feeling discouraged. Amen. Have you ever felt discouraged? And you know, there's something else that I think that maybe sometimes as Christians, I don't know, maybe Baptists are, are worse about this than others, but sometimes when someone feels discouraged, when they feel down, there's almost a perception that that, is, that means that they're less spiritual. Have you ever felt that way? I, I'm discouraged. I'm a little bit down about this. I'm kind of feeling blue. I'm just not really on the top side. And that must mean that something's not right between me and God. Have you ever felt that way? I have. There have been times that I've kicked myself for feeling, feeling down. You know, that's another thing we read in the Psalms sometimes, though, isn't it? Why art thou cast down within me? <laughs> why, why do I feel this way? We know in our mind and we know in our heart that because of the truth that we have Christ and we're in Christ, that we ought to be able to have joy and, and peace no matter the circumstances. But let's just be realistic for a moment. Sometimes we feel discouraged. Sometimes we feel down and low and almost to the point of giving up and to the point of death. There is a reality to difficulty and discouragement. And we ought not to think that somehow because we sometimes feel that way, we feel depressed, we feel discouraged, we, we feel downhearted that somehow that, that means that we're not close to the Lord. Here the psalmist is saying, I love the word of God. I live in the word of God. I fellowship with God. I'm in a relationship with him. And yet what do I find? Because of the circumstances in my life, I feel like I, I'm, my soul is down in the dirt. My soul is melting for heaviness. What a description. If you've been through, and, and I know different people process things differently and feel differently about things, but if you've been through times of depression or anxiety, you have probably felt at times that it's not only uh, your emotions, but even physically you can feel the burdens that you're carrying. You know what I mean by that? 
that pit in your stomach that you feel, the, it seems like there's a weight on your shoulders, you feel down. David felt, and by the way, most, most people believe that David wrote this psalm. We don't have, it doesn't say that he did, but most people believe that he probably was the one that wrote this, and so I'm assuming that he was that one. If that were the case, look at the life of David. And in, in the life of David, you find that there were highs and there were lows. The highs were, you know, moments where he was anointed to be king, where he killed a giant, where he, he, he killed the Philistines, where he became king. Uh, we see him doing wonderful things for the Lord and for the nation of Israel. There were some high moments in David's life, but there were also some very deep valleys. Years he spent on the run from King Saul. Later on, he would lose a child as a result of his own sin. He would lose the, the, the loyalty of his nation and people who once almost worshipped at his feet were ready to cast him out and the reason was because of his own son who had betrayed him he killed his his other son and then tried to steal the kingdom from him and his own son was after him trying to kill him I mean there were some low moments in David's life and he was able to say sometimes I feel like I'm ready to give up like I'm ready to die David felt that way. Elijah felt that way. When he said, it's enough, Lord. Take my life from me. He was ready to die. He was asking the Lord to take his life. That's someone who's depressed and discouraged. Moses got discouraged. Asaph got discouraged and said that he was ready to give up. Isaiah cried out to the Lord and he said, how long? Jeremiah, that great prophet of God, was known as the weeping prophet. All I'm saying is this, just because you feel a little bit down, just because you feel a little bit discouraged, does not mean that somehow you are distant from God. Because some of the greatest men of the Bible, some of the greatest men of history, struggled with deep depression, deep discouragement, and, and there is a reality to pain and discouragement. It's real. It's real. It's, it's somewhat of a normal thing, if I can put it that way. Psalm 55 and verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now we look at those verses and we often emphasize the, the second part of them, that God cares for us, that God will sustain us, and we ought to, because that is the emphasis. But don't miss the fact that if God said that we are to cast our burden upon him, that assumes that sometimes we're going to carry burdens. There's an assumption that there are going to be cares in our life, that there are going to be discouragements and distresses. It's real. And so let me also say this, your burden that you're carrying and your distress and your discouragement and your trial that you're facing, it is not unique to you. Why is that important? Because sometimes we feel as though we're the only one who could ever understand. Now, if, if you are a rational person, and certainly if you are a biblically thinking person, 
you know that's not the case. You know that other people have carried these burdens, that other people have felt the way that you feel in a time of distress. You know that in your mind, but that doesn't always equate to feeling that way. And it feels like nobody could ever understand what I'm going through in this moment. I want to show you a few places in Scripture that you probably are familiar with, but just to remind you of some things. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would, please. And we'll look at verse number 13. First Corinthians 10, 13, what does it say? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will also with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now you might look at this and say, yeah, but pastor, in that context, that's talking about sin, temptation to sin. Can I tell you this, that discouragement leads to temptation to sin? If I'm discouraged, here is my temptation. I want to give up. I want to quit. I don't want to live by faith. And by the way, that's the other side of this. I'm, I'm trying to emphasize that feeling discouraged is normal, but that we are not to live by our feelings. That we are to live by faith. The just shall live by faith, and whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is acting in obedience to God and his word, regardless of how you feel about it. And so the temptation in a time of distress and discouragement is to say, I don't want to live by faith, I want to live by my feelings. I want to make decisions based upon what seems right to me. But here's what you need to know. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You are not facing anything that someone else hasn't faced before. You are not walking a road that no one has walked before you. And you need to remember that God is faithful. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. We, I wish we had more time to talk about that tonight. Go with me forward just a little ways. First Peter chapter number 4. First Peter chapter 4. In case you're feeling as though your struggle, your temptation is unique to you. 1 Peter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's not strange. Look at chapter 5, verse number 7. I quoted a moment ago, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Listen, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. 
others feel it too. Let me just say it again. Others feel it too. You are not alone. You're not alone. The psalmist in Psalm 119, what did he say? My soul cleaveth to the dust. My heart, my soul melteth for heaviness. I can't make it. I can't press on any further. I'm just, I, I, I'm going to die because of the discouragement that I am in. But let's not forget that that is common and by the way that God has a purpose in your trial. Look at verse number 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I love the second half of that verse. I want God to perfect me and strengthen me and establish me and settle me. I want God to do that to me. But what does it say? It's after you've suffered a while. In other words, God allows you to feel this way sometimes and face some things sometimes because he's working in you to accomplish his purpose. And so we're in Psalm 119. I invite you to go back there with me. But this is the context of what, what I'm trying to say don't forget that in the midst of all these wonderful things that, that David or whoever wrote this is saying about the Word of God and the power of the Word of God in his life, don't forget that this man was subject to like passions as you are and I am. That this is someone who dealt with very difficult circumstances and, and real deep discouragement in his life. We see his discouragement, but I want to show you his deliverance. Because verse number 25, he says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, but then he says, Quicken thou me according to thy word. The word quicken literally means to bring back to life, to revive. God, I am dying in discouragement and what am I asking? I'm asking that you would raise me up again. Verse 28, my soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. His deliverance. Listen, here is what the psalmist knew. I have real problems and I have real struggles but the answer, the deliverance from my problem is to look to Him. He is my salvation. He is my deliverer. Verse 26, he says, I have declared, thy, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me. When he says I have declared my ways, what is he talking about there? I, I've actually read a couple of, of different commentaries on that and, and, and some have suggested that he's talking about confessing his sin to the Lord and, and certainly we ought to confess our sin to the Lord but I don't think that's what, what the psalmist is saying here. That's not, uh, that doesn't seem to flow with the context. What is he saying? I, I've declared my ways to the Lord. Do you re have you ever read through the book of Job? 
Job was a man who faced some deep depression, wasn't he? For good reason. Faced greater trials than probably any man has ever faced on this earth, at least as far as I know. And he had some real reasons to be discouraged and down. And his, though he was not sinning with his lips, he wasn't charging God foolishly, here's what he was. In fact, at one point he said, I will declare my ways unto him. What was he doing? He was basically saying to the Lord, I, I don't understand why these situations, why these things have come into my life because I have tried to live righteously. And it was as though he was pleading his cause before the Lord. I don't think I deserve this. I think that's what David's saying here. I've declared my ways unto you. Lord, I, I've, I've, to the best of my knowledge, I've tried to be right with you and, and, I, and I pleaded with you, but in my distress, I cried unto you and I love what he says, verse 26, thou heardest me. I went to God and he heard me. He realized that his deliverance was from the Lord and he, that the answer to his discouragement, listen, was to run to God. I don't know where you are today in your heart. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what it is that keeps you awake at night. But I can tell you this, the answer is to run to God. Get on your knees before him in prayer. Bury your face in this book. You know what you'll find? Strength, encouragement, revival of your spirit, of your heart. You'll find encouragement. It doesn't mean that all your circumstances are going to get better or improve right away. Here's what it means. If you are in a place of despair, turn to Him. Turn to the Lord. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. God keeps his people in peace when our minds are fixed upon him. And when the burdens that you carry and the stresses that you carry of life begin to overwhelm you, look up. Look up. That's where your answer is. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Let me, let me be restored by your word. Verse 28, my soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Let me find strength and help and life. Where? Not in changed circumstances. Not, not in, in, in God solving my problems. Let me find help in God's word. Go with me, if you would, to the New Testament once again. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. In Philippians, we find people that were in a, a place or a time of deep poverty where there was much opposition to 
the work of the kingdom of God and what the Lord was trying to do there. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 1, Paul says to them, Therefore, my, dear, my, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. You know, an admonition to stand fast is usually a suggestion that there is something coming against you to tear you down. Ephesians 6, that passage that deals with the armor of God, and it says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand, therefore, having done all to stand. In that passage, we see over and over, stand, stand, stand. Why? You're under attack. You feel like giving up. You feel like fleeing. Stand fast. Don't move. You don't have to be admonished, admonished to stand fast if you don't have any opposition. So he's saying, stand fast in the Lord. Don't cave to your opposition. Then he says in verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know what? Sometimes I think that we, we read the Bible but we overlook some important details. Sometimes I, th I, have read, I have read this to say rejoice always, and again re I say rejoice. In my mind. Okay, I'm supposed to be always rejoicing. How do I do that? How do I rejoice when everything in my life seems to be falling apart? How can I rejoice? Because I'm not rejoicing in the circumstances. I am rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. What does that mean? Be filled with care for nothing. Don't be overwhelmed by anything. But in everything, by prayer... And supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Rather than stressing, rather than being discouraged, give it to God. And what does it say, verse 7? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You want peace? Give it to God. That's what he's saying. The psalmist in Psalm 119, what's he saying? I was in distress. I'm in a place of difficulty and pain and struggle. But I know that my help comes from you. And I'm looking to your word. And I'm calling upon your name because I need your help. Let's go back to the book of Psalms. If you would, we're in Psalm 119. I hope you put a marker there. It makes it easier to turn back. But then I want you to look forward just a couple of pages to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, verse number 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. 
he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. In a moment of distress, in a moment of desperation, what are we to do? Lift up our eyes. Our help comes from the Lord. And I love the promise. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now you might say, well, I'm not a Jew, and I'm not part of Israel, so this, problem, uh, this promise does not apply to me. But it doesn't say that he will keep Israel, does it? It says, he that keepeth Israel will not slumber or sleep. And can I tell you this, that he that keepeth Israel is the same one that keeps me. That's my God. And I don't have to lay awake tonight in fear and worry because he's awake. And he's not going to slumber or sleep. I can go to sleep because he won't. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Man, that's great. There are times when we're driving late at night. There have been times that we've had to drive through the night with the family for different reasons and it seemed, seems like there was a, a period of time where we found ourselves every time that we would travel and take a trip as a family we found ourselves driving through the night in a snowstorm and I was tired and exhausted and and there were times that my wife would have to stay awake in order to keep me awake and I'm thankful for that notice I didn't say that I let her drive that's just a side note, okay? You can ask me about that later when she's not listening. <laughs> but that's how she helps me, to stay awake, to make sure that I stay awake. But isn't it wonderful to know that the one that keeps us, and protects us, and guards us doesn't need anyone to keep him awake? He is aware of your need. And he is working in your circumstance at all hours of every day. He's working for your good. So lift up your eyes to the one where you find your help. Put your trust in him. He is your deliverance. So in Psalm 119, we find his discouragement and then his deliverance. But very quickly tonight, as we go back to Psalm 119, I want to show you his determination. Because after, after all these things have been said about his circumstance and his struggle and his trial and how he's going to look to the Lord for these things, he makes this determination, verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. Verse 32, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. 
Okay, so in my distress, I'm going to cry unto the Lord. In my trial, I'm going to go to the Word of God and lay His judgments before me. I'm going to set the Word of God before my eyes to give me wisdom, to give me help, to give me strength. When I'm in a time of discouragement, I'm going to look to Him and find encouragement. But then verse 32, he says, When thou shalt enlarge my heart, after, after you have lifted me up and after you've carried me through this trial, here's what you need to know, I will run the way of thy commandments. I am determined not only to look to you in times of difficulty, but to set my life and order my life in such a way that I am constantly pursuing after you. I am stuck to your word. I have stuck to thy testimonies. I find it fascinating that as, as you start to look at some of these details in here, you find the very first statement in this section is, My soul cleaveth to the dust. My, my, my soul is clinging to the, the, the dust, the ashes. The, I, I feel overwhelmed with discouragement. But then this statement of, of, of uh, determination in his own mind, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. My, my soul is cleaving to the dust, but I'm cleaving to your word. Have you ever felt like you're like the trials and burdens that you're carrying have a death grip on you? In that moment, get a death grip on the book. I, I've stuck to it. And because I've stuck to it, he says, when you've enlarged my heart, when you've delivered me, I'm going to continue to run in the way of thy commandments. I'm going after you. I'm pursuing you. I'm pursuing your word. He was determined not only to seek God in times of difficulty, but at all times, at all times, to make the Lord and his relationship with the Lord and the word of God his priority. Can I encourage you tonight to seek God at all times and especially in times of distress and desperation? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. I do thank you that you've given us the answer to our needs. Lord, sometimes we find ourselves in troubling and painful circumstances where we feel, we feel, Lord, like we just want to give up. We feel like we can't go on. But I thank you, Lord, that even when it feels that way, that you have given to us a solution to our problem in our time of need. You've given to us a way to escape. You, you've told us and called us to run to you in our time of need and to find shelter under your wings and to wait upon you that, we're, that our strength would be renewed.
Would you help us, Lord, in, in our moments of difficulty, when we feel down and out, would you help us not to run to the world for their wisdom or answers, but, Lord, help us to run to you and find our refuge in you. And, Lord, may we, may we dwell in that secret place and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I pray that even in the next few moments as your people come before you and talk about the needs in their life, that, I, that you would meet with us, Lord, and, and work in our hearts and show us, Lord, where we need to maybe let go of some things that we can't control and give them over to you and just trust, Lord, to trust you to care for us and take care of our needs. Help us, Lord, to find our comfort and our peace in you, but, Lord, also to, to run after you, Lord, to, to seek after you and pursue you in prayer and through your word.